Hey kids, you're listening to the Nerd Best Friends Podcast. And if you didn't know, now you do. And knowing is half the battle. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nerd Best Friends. My name is Annalise, here with my best friend, Rob. Hey, it's Rob, your podcast host, your best friend, and your nerd who's up to nerdy stuff. How you doing, Annalise? here we are rob episode 15 we're nearing the end of our first season of nerd best friends and today we are going to talk about what are you doing what am i doing what are we doing i'm really excited about this topic it's kind of how i envision the show on first like in the first concept meetings we were having or even some of the one shots of just like what are you up to right now you know like what is fun right now hopefully we'll do a good job and the turnaround will be not too bad for editing and maybe more of these because as time goes by being nerds there's always a little bit of like attention deficit disorder <laughs> where like the new hotness <laughs> comes out I don't know at least for oh, me look, like, this. it's like big yeah, shiny things a, a kickstarter arrives oh my gosh I want to pour all my energy into this or yeah. a movie comes out now I'm pouring all of my energy into this or, you know, this new video game comes out and I didn't know anything about it. Now I'm going to do all the research and I'm going to read all the comics, and you know, in the mode. What are you up to right now? Like, what's good now? Exactly. And, you know, some of the, the best feedback we've received from our, our listeners so far has been from episodes in which we are suggesting things or talking about things we're reading and doing. Yeah. Yes. And this is this is a funny story for this because we talked about on last episode, it was we were talking about listener mail. We were talking about feedback from listeners, which is awesome it was it is great podcast at nerdbestfriends.com email in but we were saying like oh my gosh maybe someday we're gonna need like an intern or something to keep track of all of these recommendations and things that we're doing and sure enough you went out and found an intern yeah it's really funny that's part of our nerd mail so let's do nerd mail right now we had one of our listeners we've brought up before who reacts constantly to our episodes and I'm really thankful for. It is someone I've known for a long time. Listener Joan wrote in and said, please hire me. I'll send you my resume, which is kind of a funny because, you know, she's a total professional. But I said, sure, we could do an intern because we can't pay you. And she's like, oh no, I'll totally like help you out with posting stuff to your website. So I'm, oh we use gosh. Squarespace. So it's, it's not like you need to be super techie to be able to do that. So she and I talked about ways to do that so we can keep caught up and not just dump a bunch of stuff on the website over the summer when we aren't working. So I'm super excited. We have an intern. Welcome to the Nerd Best Friend family, intern Joan. I can't be more excited. But here's the funny part about that is we were saying like, oh man, we're kind of getting a backlog of things that intern Joan needs to keep track of. And so then you came up with a, the idea for like, what if we did a whole episode where we just run through a gigantic list of things that intern Joan has to keep track of? And post for us? <laughs> I mean, basically, let's give her some work to do, backlog uh, or otherwise. So oh, baptism yeah. by fire, intern Joan. Thank you so much. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Since we're on nerd mail, how about for you? You know, I had an interaction with someone the other day that was just like a really cool kind of inspiring story. This is a nerd who was like an OG WoW player from like back in the day. I'm like, how long have you been playing? And he's like over a decade from like classic World of Warcraft. He had found that 
he's not old. I think he's younger than us, but he had found that he was developing some arthritis in his fingers and it was giving him just difficulty on the different computer games and stuff that he plays. If you're like a mouse and keyboard PC gamer, you know that there's the different letter combinations and and schematics and stuff that you have to be pressing and the arrow keys or on your mouse, even, you know, stretching fingers and stuff to click all the different, but I'm not a computer gamer, but you know, those gamer mice that have like 15,000 buttons on them and all this kind of stuff. And he was having trouble doing that. So he was sharing his big project that he was doing as far as coding different ways for him to continue to interact with his his computer games. He was saying that he had set up a pedal system for the movement of his character on screen and that he had come up with a way to this came up because we were talking about coding and writing code and copying code from other places and getting different resources. But he has come up with a way where he's got an old phone that is set up, you know, next to his computer that is listening for him to give voice commands. And he's coded it so when he gives specific voice commands that are short, it then does keyboard actions on his computer. Those old phone speaks to his computer while he's playing the game. Right. So he's using pedals as instead of like arrow keys or mouse clicking because the repetitive clicking and stuff was hurting his hands. And then when he needs to attack, pick up loot, you know, do the different special attacks that would be the letter numbers on his keyboard or the different coded buttons on his gamer mouse. Instead, he's saying words into the microphone of the phone and then he's written the code so that it executes in the game so he can be kind of hands-free on that. I mean, the truth is there is some truth to that high usage of technology right now, typing and on the phones, you know, texting and and using cell phones for things and gamer computers where we are seeing things like carpal tunnel and arthritis in younger and younger people. So it is something to be said to adapt that what's like pinged in my mind as you describe that is accessibility for people who can't use a mouse in the first place. You have a whole demographic of people who are coming up with arthritis and carpal tunnel issues, but there's a huge demographic of people who just don't have access to games you can play on a computer. I mean, that's a that's an amazing potential to change a lot of people's lives. Right. So it all started with him doing research for things like that and figuring out like looking, you know, we always build our work on the on the backs of giants, right? People who have done these kinds of things. But yeah, I don't know that he's doing anything revolutionary that's going to change the world on those things. But there were some of those ideas out there that he was able to figure out and build. And just it was nice to have a conversation with someone about like the nerdy things and talking about like what his point was, was, man, you really realize what's important to you when you go through this kind of thing because we were talking about like oh man coding sucks it's so boring and you got to keep trying it and it doesn't work and then you got to go back and this kind of thing and so he was like yeah you realize what's really important so we were talking about world of warcraft and we were talking about the community and stuff and he was talking about his group of friends who you know they play together every week for over a decade now he was saying like the one of the guys there was the best man at his wedding and he only knows him online until the couple of times they decided to have meetups and stuff it was reminding me of what was that great show was it the guild did you ever watch that no Mm. Well, it's a it's a fun watch. It's it's dated now, but it's about just these really silly nerds who are all like World of Warcraft players and what they have to go to to you know not let each other down. And it's a, of course like a motley crew. I can't remember. You know me in names. I can't remember. I'm like Sandra Day something. I don't know. <laughs> not the not the politician. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> Speaking of names that we're both bad at, also reminded me, so for nerds out there who are experiencing maybe similar issues with pain in hands from playing games and stuff, I went to a conference a long time ago, and that's also prevalent in young people who are musicians. There are issues, hmm. people who spend hours and hours practicing piano and violin and flute and like lots of finger movement, lots of the same repetitive movements over and over and over. I actually did a training to show people how to like do hand exercises before they play their games. I use those now and I can tell when I was writing my dissertation, you know, after hours and, and doing these like hand exercises, just the tightness down your arm or up your arm. So those are out there. Google them for any <laughs> listener who's experiencing those kind of issues. It is, it is a real thing. And I love also the continuous theme of the community that comes from nerd, nerd hobbies. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe there's some exercises for me. I am developing arthritis in my feet just oh. because I'm getting old and degenerating. I don't do, like, I'm not a dancer or anything, <laughs> but my feet like will lock up and it hurts so bad. Anyway, that's the other here and door there. (laughs) Okay, so how about the craft beer of the episode? I had a wonderful experience over our spring break. Well, honestly, I got sick for most of the spring break. It totally sucked. But the first two days of the spring break, like the weekend leading into it, my wife and I took a trip. And we went to Monterey. We drove through Big Sur and stopped the different like picturesque places along the way. And oh my gosh, Big Sur, California is probably one of my favorite places. It's just gorgeous. On our way up to Monterey and in Monterey, we stopped at a tasting room for Dust Bowl Brewing Company. And Dust Bowl Brewing Company, the one in Monterey is a tap room. The actual brewery, I, th- I believe, is further up north. And they, I remember having one of their beers a long time ago uh, it was called hops of wrath right a play on words okay. of grapes of wrath because yeah. and looking at their you know reading through their history and stuff they are descendants of a family that came from oklahoma to california and like the dust bowl era okay. and those that kind of thing so kind of a nod to their family history with hops of wrath but this time i was there and they've got a ton of beers but their flagship is called taco truck lager it should be their flagship it is a fantastic beer it is exactly what you want from a craft lager from any lager so delicious on its own i can imagine like on a hot day this would be the greatest thing in the world and then paired perfectly with food especially things that are salty or spicy taco truck lager from dust bowl it's not one of those that i would say with a caveat like sometimes i'll I'll have a craft beer of the episode and i'm like i'm picking this beer because it's unique it's like a punch you in the tongue something crazy no no this is a beer for everyone everyone 21 years or older this is a beer (laughs) for everyone who likes craft beer taco truck lager dust bowl brewery five out of five absolutely amazing please tell me you brought some back i did not Oh, what a bummer. Speaking of that, I brought you three beers from Hawaii. Look how, look what a, look what a nice friend you are. So when you come over to play Return to Dark Tower, you have, I looked on your untapped. I think there's only one you have tried already. The other two you have Okay, very cool. I've definitely been liking... My wife also recently went to Hawaii and she went to Kona Brewing and was like, man, like Kona Brewing, don't sleep on that because we'll see it here in California. We'll see it sometimes in the stores. And I've always kind of been like, oh, oh yeah, they, they got beers. And I've been drinking more from Kona. And my God, like all of them are hits. Yeah. And I knew Kona was available here in California. Right. So I didn't go for those. I just picked three Smart. ones that I didn't recognize and I didn't check on tap till after. So one of them you've actually already tried, but it would still be fun to share it with you over a board game yes for sure 
Okay, now on to the episode. Rob, what are you doing? <laughs> All right, so we have figured this out. We've got a list. Is it a, is it a list of five? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, it was a list of five, but I, I put a sixth one on there for you. So we've got our six different categories. What are you watching, reading, playing, listening to, painting? <laughs> That's what I put in there. And planning, <laughs> scheming, if you will. Yes, scheming is a good word. So let's start with watching. Rob, what are you watching right now? What are you oh, binge watching? What are you paying attention to? We are watching the show Arcane. Arcane is an animated series. It is on Netflix. Season one is out. Now, this game, game, excuse me, this show is based on the game League of Legends, which is a very popular video game series. I'm not a video gamer. I have never played League of Legends. I don't really know much about League of Legends. Watching the show, I can tell you, you don't need to know anything about League of Legends to see this amazing story unfold with this incredible world and these incredible characters and art that is put into this series. What I suspect is if you do know League of Legends, this is just full of Easter eggs and just full of awesome things that you can glom onto. And Oh my God, look at that. And oh my God, look at that. Oh, that's the person who did this on the other thing. I don't know, but that's kind of the sense I get. I would recommend this to anyone 14 years, 13 years or older. When I was recommended to it, a lot of the comparisons were to Star Wars, like Star Wars animation, as far as like, oh, you know, Clone Wars or the Bad Batch. If you like those, you'll like this. And I think that that's true as far as the animation style is similar, although it takes more risks artistically. And it's definitely more adult it's very violent lots of language and uh some partial nudity and things like that just so you know like oh this isn't a cartoon you're gonna watch with your eight-year-old who loves star wars this is the one you're gonna watch with your like for me it was like my 13 year old and certainly there was some ringing of my pearls when the f word was uttered by characters and stuff (laughs) while watching this clutching of my pearls sorry but absolutely worth it it is a story of two sisters it is a story of a world of privilege and wealth versus an undercity of poverty and disease. It is the story of two best friends. It is the story of how magic and technology either, really about how magic and technology clash, but how much the characters want them to mix. And the villains are so evil and sometimes so sympathetic and all the the character web to draw out like, oh, this character was attached to this one and this one is attached to this one is masterfully done i think video game writing really influenced that part of it where everything kind of has to exist in an ecosystem for those big reveals as you're marching through a game you have those big reveals as you're marching through this this series absolutely beautiful i guess it was nominated for just ton of oscars and all kinds of things as far as the visual effects and the voice the voice acting is phenomenal yeah i would say i kind of I kind of gave it a chance because I believe the legends. I've never played that game, but nerds kept telling me how good it was. And I'm really glad I listened to them. Don't sleep on Arcane on Netflix. I'm going to say, though, you can't possibly convince me that some F-bombs haven't been dropped in your house in front of Andrew before. Not by me. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Not oh, by boy. me. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I didn't even know that that existed to tell you how I, out yeah, of the loop I am. Yeah, if you have not heard of that and you've got a Netflix account, I, I we were hooked just, you know, episode after episode. I have a feeling it's going to be huge in the world of cosplay, especially as like conventions are opening up and we're coming up on summer. You're going to see a lot of 
really cool cosplay going on from this show because the weapons and the costumes and the art style is just it's unique and it's awesome well for me rob it's really difficult right now work is really really hard right now and no complaints i have a job i like my job but i'm in a space where i come home and i feel like i don't have the energy to focus on something new and pay attention closely. I found out that HBO Max had the entire series, Lois and Clark, which I know I've mentioned before. I watched it when we were in high school. It ran 94 to 90... 94 to 97, Lois and Clark was ending, was when I found Buffy mid-season and went on from there with Buffy. I have not seen these seasons. This was before anyone would buy, you know, box sets of seasons on VHS or DVD. So I have not watched these since they were pretty much live on the air, like 1994. And HBO Max has the whole series. I have been been watching this because it doesn't really matter if I fall asleep in the middle of an episode. My goodness, it is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't watched this show since before we knew Dean Cain was awful? I mean, okay. No, I, or that like since Terry Hatcher became like famous for the real, not real housewives. What was that? Was she on Sex in the City? Not Sex. It was a show just like that. Not Designing Women. That's super old. (laughs) Oh, what was the name of that show? It was like Real Housewives, but it was a fictional show, not a reality show. Anyway, she's more popularly known for that now and, and stuff. So, I mean, it's formulaic. So sometimes even I'm like, okay, this is not realistic. I know it's supposed to be comic book based. I think so far what's disappointing in the rewatch of it is that we're not really seeing any of the lore of Superman villains. They really didn't, at least so far, hadn't touched any of them. It's really about Lois and Clark, which I guess if you're going to title the show to be about the two of them and their their interaction and, and build of their relationship together, it makes sense. Lex Luthor is a character in the first season and then jumps off a building and now he's like in some chamber where they're trying to bring him back to life. He's super <laughs> evil. I'm enjoying rewatching it and trying to think about 14 and 15 year old me watching it, but that's what I'm binge watching right now because when I come home, I can put on an episode, eat my dinner, like so hang out. So you are aware that in 2021 a new series started called superman and lois i am aware of that okay. i actually had a conversation about that with intern joan i have ah. not started that i know there's a, a darker version of print, uh, fresh prince called bel air now that's out okay and is I, that real or was that real. something that my no, son it's a made up because he no, was telling me you know there's a dark and gritty reboot about fresh prince of bel-air and so i w- we went on this whole bit about like in this one dj jazzy jeff murdered people and he came to fresh <laughs> prince to get some money and hide out and now he's wrapped up with oh. the mom and like all this stuff I mean, that might actually be more interesting than the actual show, but I've heard good things about it. It's called Bel Air. So look for Bel Air if you're interested in watching it. It's grittier in the sense that kids are dealing with different that, like, stuff People now. run up on stage and smack other comedians oh, and stuff. Gosh. It's great. I mean, speaking of which, the really funny thing is, so I've been lucky enough to travel. I got to travel to Hawaii with our school choir. So it's nice to see student travel back. We had to do a lot of like COVID stuff to get there. But on Hawaiian Air, we I had free movies to watch for the six hour plane ride. I watched King Richard and then I, and then we get back. And then the Oscars happened. I'm like, oh, ruined it for me. <laughs> but King Richard's an excellent movie. There's some stuff to the uh, the story of two of the most prominent athletes. I'm not even gonna say female athletes, prominent athletes of all time in yeah. Venus and Serena Williams and some of their story that's just not been made public. So mm-hmm. hats off to them for sharing their story and, and the things they had to face in coming up in a in a sport that has for so long and still is dominated by people with wealth. So it's a really good movie. So I was catching up on those 
And then I'm still trying to catch up on Marvel. I am trying desperately so I can watch all the new stuff. But that's that's what I've been watching. There's some good stuff out there. It is fun yeah, that now there's now that there's like in this era of there's always a new Marvel thing coming out. Now that there's so much of it, I think I could I'm in a place where I could help you out a little bit more because there's definitely stuff that's not as good and you could probably skip and stuff that is actually good and will be enjoyable for you to watch as you want to be a completist. You. But <laughs> and I, I don't I'm not interested in being a completist, especially after watching WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Fel- yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because I think they're good. I enjoyed watching them, but also felt like a chore sometimes. Like, yeah. tell me the story. I don't need all of this extra just to have all the extras, what it felt like. And now that it's on, and now there's all these other pieces that are coming in. You, you, we'd mentioned last episode about how all the old stuff is now on Netflix, and that's why there had to be a little, or not a Netflix. Oh, Disney Plus got the Netflix Disney Plus, yeah. shows, the, the right. Marvel Knight stuff, the and Defenders so now, stuff. They call it Defenders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I it's, can't it's believe feel, it. It feels more overwhelming than enjoyable. So mm. definitely some tips on where I can go to catch me up enough that I'm not like the Star Wars stuff can get overwhelming if you're trying to catch up to all of that. Right. Which right. was helpful yeah. that you and gave that's me why like. It's, it's so important to me that when the new stuff comes out, like, oh, man, I got to stop what I'm doing and watch it. Because if you get behind, it's, you'll never it's catch super up. overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And, and you've been great in helping me in those spaces since I'm late to the game a lot that like, oh, when you watch Star Wars Rebels, here's a list of episodes that's just really prominent to move on to the next part of the story. And so maybe someday I'll go back and watch all the ones in between. And I've even said like, hey, I have a couple free days. What are episodes not on this list that you think I would really enjoy? So that's been really helpful. So I'll definitely I'll definitely ask you for that. All right. Reading. I, of course, am a comic book reader. And most recently, the thing that I enjoyed that I just finished up in a, a few days ago is I've been working my way through Doctor Strange. This would be known, I guess, as the Jason Aaron run. That's where it started, I think, in 2015. You know, it's an ongoing, so there's probably 40-something, 50-something issues in it. Most recently, I read issues 21 through 25, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam. This was absolutely absolutely enjoyable. The art was fantastic. It was, gosh, something has happened where Dr. Strange has lost his magic, like most of his magic powers. He can't draw upon the weave or wherever he gets his force from. So instead, he's been collecting magic items so that he can continue his fight against evil. And New York has just been overrun by gross, slimy, giant monsters with tentacles and fangs and teeth and all kinds of stuff. They're just monsters everywhere. And this haggard Doctor Strange is just running around town with like a magic axe and like a magic feather he puts in his mouth so that he can like fly a little bit and stuff it takes the character and kind of puts a puts a problem on the character that has some fun ways to solve and in this particular run it's Doctor Strange teamed up with Spider-Woman, Daredevil, Ben Urich in a magical in a magical set of paladin armor and (laughs) they're fighting monsters to the city and there's this huge monster and there was just this amazing part where you know they're fighting this giant monster and all of a sudden off the roof of some building a a limousine comes flying through the sky and stabs this huge creature in the eye just the limo goes into the thing's brain and kills it and it falls (laughs) and who should pop out of the limo but kingpin He drove his limo off the roof of a building to kill this monster and gets out. He's like, so where are these magic items at? And so he's part of the team. It's just wacky and zany. And I enjoyed 
every page of it that was Doctor Strange by Dennis Hopeless Hallam. Oh my gosh. Talk about a motley crew. <laughs> what yes. a combination of people. <laughs> yes. I we recently went to a conference. So I've been reading some books on unconscious bias from the lens of being an educator. Franklin Covey, still in that, you know, doctorate dissertation academic reading mindset sometimes a little bit. And I'm also catching up on comic books mostly that you've gifted me and I've been behind on reading. Most recently, I finished the comic adaptation of Juliet Takes a Breath. Really loved it. Artwork was great. Oh, good. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you for that one. Um, So I'm just, I'm picking up comic books that have been on on the stack and just growing, growing, growing. So nothing of particular note, but definitely Juliet Takes a Breath, the adaptation from the novel was really uh, enjoyable read. And I think it doesn't lose anything from the original novel either. Um, Although I just skimmed the, the young adult novel. I did not read it in its entirety. So yeah, I'm trying to catch up on comic books too. What are you playing right now? Okay. I have had a game sitting on the shelf forever and it's a big like campaign long game, boxes full of miniatures that I painted. And of course it's got a bunch of little fiddly bits, little tokens and little chits and all this kind of things. So I have literally for years kind of been poking away at this game, painting sets of miniatures here and there and 3D printing box inserts to get everything organized and little boxes and all this stuff. I never found the time to play the game. And so like, it's been ready to go for a little bit here, but my gaming schedule is uh, pretty full and my <laughs> it's really full. That was what, like somewhere, I was telling somebody the other day, somewhere 14 year old me made some kind of like monkey paw wish where it was like, I wish I could play Dungeons and Dragons every day. <laughs> the little monkey paw finger went down. And then, you know, years and years later, there was a pandemic and everybody was stuck at home and everybody was like, Rob, run D&D for us. Rob, we should start a D&D game. And so now I play Dungeons and Dragons like four nights a week, every freaking week. And it's so, like Let's be clear. It, it was a magic eight ball. It was, ah. you, you were, you were wishing on that magic eight ball. It just took some time to, uh, to yeah, manifest. Exactly. So now it's hard to carve out time, but recently like some events happened where I was able to modify that schedule a little bit. So I had one of those nights that was already a game night and we're going to turn it into a family game night here. And so we finally broke out the game folklore the affliction it's kind of a legacy game it's more of just like a big overarching campaign i would say i would compare it to gloomhaven which was a very popular game made like millions and millions of dollars on kickstarter so probably if our listeners have heard of one of these games it would be gloomhaven we tried gloomhaven i have gloomhaven it's hard and what's hard about it is it's what's really cool about it is there's like a world map and as you go through the different locations the choices you make dictate the story on where you go it's very dungeons and dragons-esque but the book is kind of the artificial intelligence like a choose your own adventure type thing but with gloomhaven if you come across a dungeon or something that you need to do and you lose you just have to do it again and again and again and again until you get it right so that you can move on with the story and so for us we found that it was pretty challenging it lost its fun. It's like, okay, well, we did this. Ah, oh, we lost. Let's try it again. This time, let's learn from our mistake and do this. And then we lost again. And it's like, okay, should we do it a third time? And it's like, yeah, no, that's kind of sucks. So we put it away and then it would go by like months. We're like, hey, should we take out Gloomhaven again? It's like, well, we, do we have any new ideas of how we're going to beat that level we're stuck on? No. Well, all right. <laughs> there's no real point to taking that out again. So what I like about Folklore of the Affliction is it's very much similar to that as far as like, this is more high fantasy, but it also has 
has kind of gothic horror elements to it. And your little party is a cooperative game where you're, you're fighting the game and you're going through this story. But it is way more interesting as far as if your character dies, your character turns into a ghost and you flip over your character sheet and there's a ghost version of your character and you play through that. And if your ghost character dies, well, when you get back to town, they can like resurrect you or whatever that might be. And so there's there's sort of a failure point built in. And if everybody dies, if there's a total party kill in a dungeon, you wake up in town and the gypsies resurrected you or whatever it was. And you go back into the dungeon and you skip that one that killed you. Like, oh, oh okay. all those monsters won. They looted your corpse or whatever. There's consequences, right? You yeah. lose all your gold and you lose all your experience and you lose like some items or whatever. There's consequences for it, but you can still continue with the story, which I think we're finding a lot. But that kind of challenge aside, it's well-written, it's fun. It has two different combat systems, a skirmish system, which is quick, where you just like bust out the card and you do your powers and it, and it rolls down for like a quick, like one-off when you have like random encounters as you're moving through the forest or whatever, you might get a skirmish encounter. But then like the set pieces that are part of the story, you bring out a map and you bring out the miniatures and you bring out the little treasures and the dice and all that kind of stuff. And you get a little bit, you get a grittier, more 3D tabletop version of the game. It's a big hit. We took it out this first night. It was like, okay, we'll we'll play through the first chapter. And we got to the end and we're like, oh, let's leave everything set up. What are we doing tomorrow? Cancel that. We want to play more Folklore of the Affliction. So nice. I know it was a hit. And I, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm playing. For me, still Return to Dark Tower. Here we are like the third episode, I think. We've recorded since since I received the game. I've now played four solo games. The longest was almost three hours, which really? is, is because it was the one of the first games. It was the first or second game I played, and I was trying to slow down. Because the first game I played, I won, but I think I messed up on a whole bunch of the rules. So the second one, I really slowed down, like, let me get each step of my turn. Because you put a skull in the tower at the end of your turn. So I think when I messed up on some sequences, and so I was really slow and and methodical and then i've played all four of the main characters that come with the game and i've i don't count the first one as a win but technically i won i have lost one game the middle two i won legit what i call legitimately and man i was so mad (laughs) i was so (laughs) mad but it was cool because i've also played all the different foes so when you play the game you have a level two level three level four level five foe and so the level two obviously they're easier to beat and there's more of them level three a little less easier to beat there's less of them and then level five is your main objective foe that doesn't spawn until you do the things to get it to spawn. So that replicates the original Dark Tower game where you had to Mm. collect keys around the different kingdoms in order to approach the tower. And then you had to like put the keys in the correct order for the tower to open. And then you could try to fight the dragon. That replicates that where you have to either collect things or go help with side quests in order to spawn the adversary which is your level five foe. And once they're spawned, they can move, they destroy buildings in places, they wreak havoc once they're spawned if you don't beat them right away. The one that I lost that was super mad, The all of the foes had these moving abilities. So you drop the skull into the tower and you get events. Sometimes you don't, sometimes there's no events, move on. And some most of the times you get events and the events are like, Every one of these widow-made spiders are moving two spaces closer to the tower. So if you are adjacent to any, lose 20 soldiers. Or, <laughs> I mean, it 
it was bad. So every time I was gearing myself up and, and chasing the adversary, I would get like super duped by one of the other foes that are on the board. And the other funny thing is there's a Facebook group about it and there are much more experienced gamers on it and they go through tangents and arguing with each other on mm. a level that I just don't understand. But one of them said like, you know, what's the benefit of fighting a foe other than you gain two spirit? You could just avoid them. And so I chimed in and said, oh, I made a house rule that says you have to fight a foe if they end up in your space. And people are like, oh my God, that's a ridiculous house rule because my, my, like, you know, I was getting mansplained all over. And that was the first game that I understood where they were coming from because I would be, you know, totally clear. And then I'd get an event that says all of these things are moving to your space or the space closest to you that has this building. And da, 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 da. and so I, I was gearing up and then I'd have a foe in my space with my house rule. I had to fight that foe with my next turn because you can also run out of time. You have six months in the game to beat the adversary or the adversary in the dark tower, take over the lands. Uh So I've learned a lot. And now there are two more in the expansion pack that you can play in the regular game. So my next two solo games, I just want to play every character once before I decide which ones are my favorite. And hopefully maybe tomorrow we play i'll play with someone else for the first time i for sure with me like mistakes i had the same experience mistakes when you're learning like a complex board game one of these like luxury games is bound to happen we ran into that just with folklore we went through it the first couple times and we completely missed in the tutorial that there's a rest mechanic so we were going into like the third fight with like two hit points and as far as we knew the only way you could get more hit points was to like go to the town and sleep at the inn or buy healing potions and we're like going through this thing and we're like on the third fight and i'm like we have no gold we had nothing. We're far away from the town. <laughs> yeah. Why is this game so hard? What are we doing wrong? We go in and we all die. And we're turning into ghosts and stuff. And then we're like looking back and it's like, oh, in between things, you can rest and regain hit points. <laughs> that changes <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. Yes. <laughs> you know? that, like, and that was my first game too. Like I can't do these things because I need more spirit. But how do you, there's no, I'm look, looking through the book and I'm looking on the player cards for the game was, was really smart. Once I paid attention to it well enough, they're really, really smart to help you guide mm. you through your turn. I missed that you have three actions you can take on a turn. You can, it's called cleansing a building. If there's skulls on the building, you can cleanse it. You can battle a foe or you can complete like a a dungeon or whatever side quest. And you get two spirit for every time you do, you successfully complete those. And so I never had a problem with spirit again. Once I figured out Mm -hmm. that's how you get them. So yeah, I totally missed something too. I understand that. Now there's an app with that game as well. Would right. like if you if you know what you're looking for, does the app walk you through those things, or is the app only taking care? What does the app do? The app tracks the events. So when you drop a skull in the tower, the tower communicates via Bluetooth to your to your app, no to your kidding. phone or whatever, okay. and it'll bring up the events. So the app tracks where your foes are, how many foes are on the table. It tracks the time. If I hadn't said this already, all any of the events that happen. So one of the companions you can earn fights foes for you or tricks them or gets rid of them. So when there's an event, it could be like this companion tricked the widow made spiders into thinking that you're somewhere else, move all the widow made spiders towards the edge of the board, like from wherever they are. So it tracks where they are, like in the different lands and the different areas. So is it fair to say that the app does all of the things on the, like on the, on the enemy side, like the game side, so like, like you're the DM not having one, to yes. keep track of, so yes. you can focus on your character order on your turn and then it does all the stuff like where you normally have to like draw a card or roll a die and do all this kind of thing like it takes care of that side 
Right and on. it doesn't know where you are. It doesn't know which kingdom you're in. So there'll be events like the tower has these doors. So they call it's called seals. So a seal's about to be broken. Click next or the the tower spins and you can get a glyph on if you're standing in a kingdom that has the quest glyph you lose 20 soldiers or if you're in the kingdom that has this you do this so that it's doing the gm dm type things that you have no control over and then you have this big beautiful player card to figure out your turn and that can get complicated paint playing by myself too because you can do the turn in any order so mm-hmm. you can you can do your quest or battle or cleanse first and then move your spaces. And if you forget to do your, you have like a bonus thing at the beginning. If you forget to do that and you do the other stuff, you lose the bonus thing and then it can get complicated. So I struggled with that the first couple games to where like I'm talking, I have my earphones on with the background music and the app playing and stuff. And my partner's like, are you, are you talking to me? Are you talking? I'm like, oh no, I'm just trying to keep track <laughs> like, no, of my No, I gotta game. say it out loud. Yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> I've moved three. Then I did this. And I'm going to use this potion to move three more. And I'm going to go battle this thing. And like, I'm talking to myself, like I have to give up two spirit to do this. And oh no, I did. I got to, here's the corruptions. Oh, I can get a treasure. Like, like, I mean, it, it can get pretty complicated. What's exciting, though, is that there are some things that you can do with your allies when you play the cooperative game, which is the main point of the right. game. It, so when you play the cooperative game, there's like a whole trading session. So if you like, you have this treasure, I have this treasure, we're trying to get Askel's fortune, and you have it, let's trade. I'll give you 20 soldiers so you can go battle this guy, and I'm going to collect this fortune so I can go after the adversary. Like, there's all these other steps I have not taken because I've not played with someone else. But that does mean I could actually try a two-player game with me playing both players. I've just not had the brain capacity to do that. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds pretty complicated. <laughs> but some people are like I on that Facebook group, some people are playing all four players by themselves. And I'm like, I can't, I can barely manage one. <laughs> yeah, I watched recently there was a game I was looking into, like a tabletop miniature skirmish game, and I was watching a tutorial on it to kind of see how it worked and if it was something that i wanted to get and sure enough that dude was playing four characters and he was going through each one in the turn and going through so you could see what it looked like better you than me buddy yeah that's that takes some brain power that on most weekends that i'm just relaxing from work i don't have so <laughs> how about next what are you listening to rob i listen to a ton of podcasts like every day but as far as cluing in listeners to something that I think I would recommend. I would recommend everything by Decoder Ring Theater. This is Greg Taylor's podcasts. It is a, it's a narrative, narrative podcasts where he has these characters that he's had for years and years and years and developed through stories. It mimics a old timey radio drama, like pulp superhero types. He has some seasons he'll go through and he will tell the story of Blackjack Justice, the hard boiled detective on the streets, you know, coffee drinking, fedora wearing, Tommy gun toting guy. The one that we really like is the Red panda and that's his like pulp noir superhero on the rooftops of toronto the red panda and the flying squirrel have adventures where they shut down crime cabals and things like that it's absolutely fantastic the voice acting is superb and the writing is top notch and you know it is a podcast that is working on a shoestring budget and that these people are doing it for the absolute love of the genre and of the work and of the art so this is this has become i listened to a ton of it and i was like this is so good i I gotta share it so i started listening to it with andrew 
And now it has become kind of appointment listening for us. So we have a special playlist in, in my podcatcher that has all of the decoder ring theater stuff. And whenever he and I are going someplace, we're listening to decoder ring theater in the car. So when we're going back and forth to his rehearsals or his orthodontist appointments or to school or wherever it might be, that's our chance to catch up on Red Panda. So right now, if you were to subscribe, he wrote a book. So it's a little bit different than the fully produced radio dramas of the past, which you can go through. There's there's hundreds of episodes. But if you were to go through it right now, he's going through a book that he wrote, which is called The Red Panda versus the Crime Cabal. I think yesterday we listened to chapter 20 and it's just so enjoyable. It is just escapism and comedy and adventure. It's just such a pure form that it speaks to me. All of the things that I love about being a nerd and comic books and the radio stuff and superheroes and witty banter and good writing with like quick dialogue it has it all big recommendation for me and if it's something if you give it a chance and you like that kind of thing great news there's a decades worth of material that you could go through because they are period pieces it's timeless right it's not like oh gosh well that's old i'm not going to go listen to that or anything no you can start at episode one and go all the way through and have amazing adventures along with greg taylor and his (laughs) and his characters so big recommendation what do you got that's a great recommendation by the way so really long mark that down in her jump (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for me, it's a really long story short. I had some issues with SiriusXM as I started to lease a car a while back and called them out on it and essentially got a really, 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 really cheap deal to have SiriusXM in my car. Now you can also use it at home. It works with Alexa products. It works with a whole bunch of things. So I listen to 90s on 9 pretty constantly while I'm like doing dishes or cooking dinner. It's playing in the kitchen while I'm driving. There's so many stations. It's pretty much the only one I listen to. <laughs> they just play stuff like it surprises me because I'll, I'll sing every word along to a song and have no idea who it is, what it's by or why I know the words. And then they'll say like, oh, that was so-and-so and so-and-so. But it's just fun. It's fun to listen to, to songs from, I mean, in the 90s, we were pre-adolescent in the as- mm-hmm. adolescent into turning 21 that decade. So yeah, at least the, I did the most formative time for your music listening. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun. I've been addicted to the West Side Story soundtrack. Full disclosure, I was addicted to the original movie soundtrack and the original Broadway soundtrack as well. It's just fun to also hear it with, you know, crisp, clean recording capabilities we have now. And Gustavo Dudamel, who conducted the orchestra for the new recording, he he's brilliant. I, I just, I'm, that's also constantly playing. Hey nerds, interrupting the podcast real quick, just to say that the next few minutes we'll be discussing gun violence and gun violence in schools. Please take caution when listening or skip ahead a few minutes. And then for podcasts, I do listen to a lot of true crime. I recently found one as I have studied school safety and and school violence, prevention of school violence for the last six, seven years. I found a podcast called Confronting. For it's about true crime stuff. So the first season is confronting OJ Simpson. There's a second season called Confronting Columbine, which was really interesting. It is following a survivor of the Columbine shootings of 1999 named Amy Over. And she goes back and talks to some of her friends and classmates 
mates that were all there and also survivors. And now they are in their 40s. We are not too much older than those students who were in high school at that time. So they are talking about their experiences in the 20 something years since 1999, since Columbine shooting happened. And it's really interesting to hear how they are now connecting to people who are victims or survivors of mass shootings that are happening now. So they bring on people as well who were at Parkland, Marjorie Stone High School, and people who were in the Route 91 Las Vegas shooting that just happened a couple of years ago, that country concert one that happened. So it's really interesting to hear all the progression that has been made. And in particular, in Colorado, there's this really cool training. I want to try to convince our district to send some people to because it is a simulation of an active shooter. And it's all computerized. So it's not like you're being put in a place. But I'm really interested in this stuff. I'm interested in, in school violence prevention and hearing from the survivors themselves on how they cope and how they move on and how they give back to their community in a way to continue to prevent something like that happening again. So really good podcast called Confronting. Season two is Confronting Columbine. I recommend it for anyone who's interested in school violence prevention or hearing from people who've been through something traumatic and how they cope question about that. I was listening to a podcast of somebody in there based in Colorado, and they were talking about how Columbine is still open. Like it's still a school and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, it's become such, it's like a gawking. It's like a thing that people gawk at and thing that people drive by and a thing that people want to say. And they're like, why didn't they close that school? Like, why didn't they just like take those students, move somewhere else? Like this is just this constant reminder. And I guess they've done a lot of remodeling and stuff, but uh, there's a memorial there, but the memorial that there kind of like brings people in and like, how can you go to school there with people that are like, it's always being brought up and it's always being talked about and stuff. I don't know if this podcast goes into it or or what you've learned from it, but like if something like that were to happen, would it be better just to like open another school across town or (laughs) something like, is that pot? I don't know that the logistics of that is possible, but like, I don't know. Like it's like, it was just a source of trauma. It was like this wound, this, this, scab that people keep scratching at. So that's absolutely addressed. There are actually, there are some teachers that were teachers that are still there at the school now that they address this. And for this particular incident, they have such a connection to the school and a lot of pre-event backstory about how special the school was to the community and the whole, you know, we are Columbine kind of thing was a thing for them at the time and the close-knit community and how much the school meant to them that... Closing it down to them didn't seem like an option. If you listen to survivors of these types of events, one of the things is understanding that there is going to be some lore to it but the pride of we survived this you did not you did not tear us down you did not make us close you did not win in this scenario and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it and i really think that's a case-by-case basis they did not go back to columbine high school that year Mm. and uh they they went to a different school finished out the year and i think in some cases i think the seniors were just done they're like you're not going to come back to school we're going to graduate you and you're going to graduate together and this that and the other Then you look at Parkland and they made those poor kids go back the next week with bullet holes in the, in the halls. So I think there's a right way and a wrong way to address that. And I think it really depends on the community and the value of that school in the community and the message in education tends to be we overcome, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that, and then, I mean, you get other complicated layers on that, right? You, the money to open a new school. 
Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, there's so, a, there's a logistic it, thing there. I was yeah. I worked at a school. I was a teacher at a school, that, and we had a school shooting. And right. like, I feel I feel like that district of that school did everything wrong. At, at yeah. all. I mean, I think we didn't go to school the next day, and then like the next Monday, school was open again, and maybe half the student body showed up for school, and we kept on working with caution tape, locking down that hallway where the blood stains right. were and stuff. Like it, it everything about it was awful and and probably handled wrong but that was something because columbine has that uh i don't know what the right word is like that gravity to it everybody's heard of it it kind of it, it started it started it all or whatever that might be yeah it's just always there so that was a question i had columbine was certainly a turning point for our understanding of the violence and school shootings there were certainly so we got to be, I could get into all the research that I've done and, and have participated in. I differentiate a shooting at a school and a school shooting as two mm-hmm. different things. So you experienced a shooting at a school. Mm-hmm. It was individualized. It was targeted. It was one person going to one person and making the violence happen. It, it was a murder and it just happened Correct. to happen at school. Okay, It's a, it's a shooting at a school mm-hmm. versus a school shooting where it's we want mass destruction gotcha. and we make that definite we make that determination now because of columbine right. because if if those two knuckleheads and also i don't use shooters names whenever i talk about it i i think that's something we as a society need to move away from but the two knuckleheads that created this chaos at columbine really had a plan for mass death and if they had completed what they actually wanted to do we'd be talking about the columbine bombing that killed 300 people so the shooting was secondary because the bombs that they put together to to, like they planned out where to put them to make everyone on the floor above it fall on everybody that was in the cafeteria and at some point they're shooting at the bombs trying to get them to go off while people are scurrying then they figured didn't work let's just shoot people let's just walk around and shoot people so that turn point in what we know as these helps guide us when they happen again and whole nother discussion about why we haven't done more for it to to stop it from happening again but when you have these type of events i think especially the communities that we have worked in are smaller close-knit security communities just like columbine is and very largely aren't caught up with the latest research and how to manage violence at school and i think that's what you're telling me you experienced because Mm. The district had never, and I think even since then, has had anything close to that happening in its area. And the handling of it was all wrong even before then. That case is very particular in all the steps that went wrong that created that murder Mm -hmm. to happen on the campus. So So follow-up question. In your answer, you said, like, we're not going to say the names of these people. And I think that that is is something that a lot of people do, especially like on podcasts. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about, they were talking about a comic book and they were talking about the comic book creator. And they're like, well, we're not going to mention that person's name and give them credit because it turns out they're a horrible person or whatever it might be. But you're very into the true crime genre and this true crime thing. Doesn't true crime kind of celebritize those people? That's a good question. It, it certainly can. And I don't mind mentioning a name like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. things along those lines, not to not because I want to celebritize them, but because 
names. They are well-known names, well-known cases. We don't have a lot of evidence that people are like, I want to be the next Jeffrey Dahmer. But in instances of school violence, in particular school shootings, we certainly have evidence of what we call contagion. And contagion means every time there's a school shooting, Data shows the next 13 days, you should be on pins and needles looking for a copycat. And there are people out there who have a mindset of violence. Many school shootings that have been thwarted over the years. These kids are coming back to things like Columbine and what has been released about Columbine to set up their school shootings. The dude that shot up Marjorie Stoneman High School in Florida references to them in his stuff. The dude that shot up at UCSB references to them in his manifesto. So I do believe in Contagion. We don't have the data that shows people want to be the next Ted Bundy. People idolize him. We know that people wrote into Charles Manson and like, let me marry you while you're in prison. People definitely celebritize, but we don't have evidence of Contagion. They are not so much influencing the next as much as have their cult following. Whereas the Columbine shooters, we have proof that they are influencing the next potential school shooters. We know they are idolized in a completely different way to the extent like my favorite author Stephen King has this really great story called Rage that he published as Richard Bachman and it's a story about a kid who holds his high school class hostage well there was a school shooting somewhere in the 80s where the kid had a copy of Rage in his backpack all highlighted and manifestoed and written into Stephen King took it off the shelves you cannot find Rage anywhere anymore since like the 80s or early 90s so Contagion is the reason why when it comes to school violence I will not not repeat names back to our nerd podcast <laughs> next follow-up question i do have a follow-up question yeah, yeah. about 90s on nine because earlier as mentioned on the show we did a fun thing where we went and taught like a band camp for a few days and that was a road trip that we took and sure enough no lie i mean that was months ago and it was 90s on nine <laughs> in your car the whole time but each day i heard the same songs is that still the case and you just love those like 100 songs that they play or are is it like same songs at the same time of day how does that work because i was like all right it's day three and i've heard ice ice baby every day since we've been on this i mean i think i think sirius xm runs into the same thing like netflix runs into right at some point it only has a certain amount of things that is licensed to stream and so listening to it for that long For those consecutive days, you hear the same stuff over and over. Luckily for me, I don't commute that far every day. I'm not in the car that long every day. There are definitely times I'm like, oh, I've heard this three days in a row now. And some songs they don't mind. That girl is poison. (laughs) Belle Biv DeVoe can never tell us enough. Never trust a big button to smile. smile. You know what? You're right. Because I keep falling for it. Dang it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's still good i mean there are other ch- there are the channels i listen to if i hear like the song again third day in a row uh, channel 10 is songs from the early 2000s channel 12 is like the matchbox 20 uh-huh. 2000s kind of 90s 2000s blend kind of stuff so there are a couple other channels that i'll switch to if the 90s gets old but it's very rare those repeated songs change depending on their streaming licenses so oh interesting I added painting to the list and I did this purposefully because I know with Return to the Dark Tower, you are contemplating, you are miniature painting hobby curious. I recently... (laughs) (laughs) That's a really funny way to put it. (coughs) It's next on the LGBTQ category, the nerd category, LGBTQN. (laughs) There's there's too many letters already. LGBTQIAN plus. Listen, there's so many letters. Everything might as well be mainstream at this point. Okay. Oh, I was going to say. So I recently finished painting this just gigantic five-headed dragon 
thing from Reaper Minis that I've been procrastinating on for years. And it was just a chore. And I finally had to say to myself, like, I'm not going to paint anything until I finish this stupid dragon. But so that's done. It's in the display case. It looks fine. But what I'm painting right now, as far as this episode goes, like, oh, what are you up to? What are you painting? I am back to painting Space Marines, the most ubiquitous thing to paint in the world. Any painting tutorial that you're going to see is it's, it's Space Marines for Warhammer 40k. And I haven't painted Space Marines in, I mean, since I was in college, but years ago was it 2020 maybe ninth edition of warhammer 40k like rebooted like oh it's ninth edition rules now and we have this super cool box called indomitus and you buy this box you get the rule book you get a necron army necrons are like terminator style robots and you get a space marine army and it's all like models put together in paint and i'm like oh this is perfect because you know andrew was like 11 or 12 and i'm like this this is the time to get into the warhammer 40k so he got that for christmas i'm like all right this is gonna be great i'm gonna build the necron army he's gonna build the space marine army he chose salamanders which is a space marine chapter that's all like green and black and cool looking and i started teaching him how to paint and so we like he built models like he this is the first like plastic models he built as far as like cutting things off of sprues and having to super glue and super gluing it to your finger and all those great experiences you have when you're a hobbyist taught him how to paint and okay this is how we're gonna do the undercoat we'd like looked up a bunch of different tutorials on youtube and we picked the one that we thought would you know the scheme and stuff that would fit us and we learned how to do it and he painted up a squad and it looked like, I mean, it looked great. It was better than anything I painted when I was 12 years old, for sure. And then I was like, all right, cool. And I like had to kind of push him like, hey, let's get, let's get painting. Let's get painting. Let's go, go sit down and do our thing. And he got his second squad painted. Meanwhile, I was just going to town so excited with my side of the army. I finished up all my Necrons and like was totally great. And I'm like waiting. All right, but when are you going to paint that next squad? All right, guy, when are you going to paint that next squad? And finally, my wife had to have an intervention with me. And she was like, hey, listen. I know you love painting miniatures and want to do it every day, but that kid's never going to finish that army. <laughs> I was like, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? She's like, well, I mean, you can make him do it, but how's that going to go? <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, good point. So I decided, well, I still want to play the game and he's still kind of interested in it. I'll finish it up. I'll paint the rest of the thing for him so that we can, you know, get back to playing because that's really where, you know, he'll always play a miniature game with me. But apparently the patience and finger dexterity and the like oh i messed that up i have to miniature painting i always say is like all it is is like slapping paint on a miniature and then fixing mistakes and then fixing more mistakes and then fixing more mistakes until it's at a level where you don't want to do it anymore and you can say it's done (laughs) that's basically how i paint miniatures that's not for everybody and it sure can't compete with playing video games on discord with all your friends so (laughs) i'm gonna finish this space marine army and i started painting them this week and i'm like oh my gosh this is why people love space marines they are so fun to paint they're just these big chunky boys that you can just slap paint on and kind of pick some stuff up and they look good like right away like you could prime them and you can slap a coat on them you give them a little dry brush and they can be done and they look great because they're so detailed that they pop so much like it really makes sense why when you start to learn to paint or you're looking through youtube at painting tutorials everybody just grabs a space marine and starts painting on it because they're just they're easy and fun to paint now I want to talk about what's going to happen here with Annalise and painting. I don't know. I <laughs> So back on that Facebook page, there are, like I said, more experienced gamers who have just done this gorgeous job of painting their minis and they post what they look like. And it's like, my goodness, 
And then there's been very nice to see that there's a few that are like, I've never done this before. Here's what I did. And everyone's been real supportive. And some of those talking. people are lying. If they're like, oh, my first paid job and it looks freaking gorgeous like a magazine. Those people are lying. The two that I've paid attention to that say this is my first job, first time, they just did accents on stuff. So like yeah. one of the warriors wears a cape. They kind of just did, you know, the cape and and then maybe a little color on the weapon that the character's holding or something. So it, you could tell the difference. And some of them might be lying. You're You're absolutely <laughs> right. But everyone's been real supportive and everyone's talking about stuff that's way over my head. I still need you to see them because they did come with some sort of base coat where people are saying like, yeah, I put it in this thing and wiped off this thing and then put this kind of coat and then did this dry brush and they're talking above my head. So once you see them and you'll see that textured coat that Return to Dark Tower minis came with, you might be able to guide me. I'm definitely interested in doing something because as I had the game that I lost and I had all of these foes and the adversary on the board, I thought, man, if there were color on these, it would be a lot easier to see like i can see what a widow made spider is versus a whatever this is this wolf pack or whatever it is uh but once they were all like closing in on me it was just overwhelming versus having a little bit of pop to distinguish which way i want to go so i believe it the game will be that much more enjoyable with (laughs) that i just again that time and the patience and the finger dexterity like I could do a lot of things with my hands at those little things. I don't know. I like, I don't know that I have the patience for. I think some of the ones that you've seen that have, that you've gravitated towards as far as like, oh, that looks like it's not a lot. It just gives it enough pop to kind of separate it on the board and and give it something unique, I think is the way to go. But you don't always know that when you start, when you start, you're like, well, I have to paint this. I have to paint every single little thing on this picture. I got to paint the eyes and I got to paint the lips and I got to paint the hair and I got, but you don't really. I have been painting miniatures since I was 11 years old. So I've been painting miniatures for decades. And what I have discovered is I have zero talent. I have no talent for painting miniatures. I see people that are like, oh yeah, you know, you're like, you're going to, you're going to start. You're just going to keep getting better. And this is my first miniature. And it looks like a miniature I painted yesterday. And this is where I am now three years later. And it's just this like magazine quality thing. And I'm like, yeah, you have talent. I just block out (laughs) colors and move paint around, but it makes a difference to me on my board games. When I have painted stuff, like it just, it makes a difference. And tabletop, there's a, there's kind of a term in painting tabletop quality doesn't have to be a lot nobody's scrutinizing it it's just you can tell which one's which and there's different colors on the board and it doesn't just look like gray plastic That's i think point. i'm it excited for your journey I find it relaxing, right? Like I, that's like where I go to, you know, watch YouTube, you know, I put on YouTube videos or I listen to a book or whatever. And just like, that's how I finish most of my days. Like my family goes to bed and I get, get to go spend like an hour and 90 minutes painting and it's just quiet and it's just super relaxing. It's how I wind down from the day. We'll see if we can get you there. But well, and so there's, I, I have to come to a decision soon. Otherwise I'm going to get overrun because I have skeptics is on the way. Mm. And I don't, I think there's only one or two minis in that. There weren't very many. It's more of the chits and the little bits and pieces to play that game. The Scooby-Doo game that you got me as a gift. Although I think those are coming. No, those, those are, are pre-painted. Yeah, They're so that's ready good. to go. Little, little guys. That's really good. I think I mentioned before the final girl is doing two wave shipping. So season one is going to come like in June. So I'm going to be able to start playing the first that they're reprinting the first Mm -hmm. series. So there's like, if you want two wave shipping, sign up for it. Now you're going to get the first series. That's just going to be a reprint. Plus we corrected some things in the reprint. 
but we're just reprinting it now. It's it's in progress right now. So I'm going to get those and those have minis for all season one. And then season two will come towards the end of the calendar year with vehicles and all the season two minis. And like one of the games is about this morphing demon that you have like four minis pending on the level that it morphs to. I mean, there's some See, really that sounds stuff. fun because you start yeah. with the first one and then as you go up, like I'm sure there are like some features that carry through all five that yes. can kind of match and you get, oh man, that sounds you like, start to see like the second one you start to see the little like tentacles or arms i can't remember what in the third one it has more of a face that you can kind of see in the baby one but it started like it's really cool and so i gotta make a decision before these things all start coming in so well the one you didn't mention is the marvel one Oh gosh, the Marvel one that's coming too. Marvel but that one's zombies. not coming until 2023, right? Right. But okay. the very nature of that one, we have to paint them. Like superheroes I, are all about bright colors. Like yes. to play that game with a sea of gray all the same sucks. No sense. Defeats the it's, purpose. <laughs> especially the zombie superhero yes, characters and all that, like, to have that mix of the yes. with the gloss yes. paint and everything is going to be so good yes i agree so there's that one and i'm trying to think if there's one more that i'm waiting to come but i think that's it for now <laughs> <laughs> so i have for to make now. a decision too and i am reading about it the difference between dry brush and this thing and that thing so you know again the academic brain i've been looking at it watching videos here and there as i have yeah there's moments. so much good stuff on youtube But even those people like you can do or I can do the exact same technique with the exact same model and follow it exactly perfectly. But mine doesn't look like theirs looks. I'm like, oh, yeah, talent. That happens. That happens with everything. I can follow a a recipe and like just do this, 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 and I'll follow it exactly. And I'm like, no, this is not what it's supposed to be. So it's so weird. I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of messing up because I know there's ways you can oh, yeah. help that. I, it's just, do I have the time? Do I have the patience? Exactly what you said about your about your 13-year-old. So oh, that's yeah. where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we got to sneak that in there. Okay. For the future, what are we planning right now? I don't have like a huge, you know, sometimes I really nerd things out and I set up my Trello boards and my spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. That is not the case right now. What is coming up for me nerd wise is I'm going to start running a Call of Cthulhu game. Call of Cthulhu is one of the RPGs we talked about in our last episode. And part of the reason I was kind of hyped on it is because I'm, I'm gearing up to run that in the future with a group. None of us have ever played it before and I'll be running the game. And I should have at this point done a lot more prep for running this game that I've never played before, <laughs> but I haven't. I'm wondering if it's going to be okay. We will find out how it's going to go. We're going to do uh, in RPGs. Sometimes you have a session zero with which is not where you start playing through the main campaign, but it's a session where everybody gets together and they'll make their characters. It's a good way to kind of talk through a little bit of the meta as far as like, well, I'm really looking forward to playing this character. Somebody else says, oh, I was looking forward to playing that exact same character. Do you have a second choice? Oh, I don't really have a second choice. Oh, well, I do. That's okay. You go ahead and play that role. I'll do this role because I have another idea for this. And, And everybody kind of works that stuff out ahead of time before showing up for the first session. It's also going to be an opportunity for us to talk about the rules and the tone and stuff before we start going into it. I've always, I've been feeling like I have a little buffer because I'm like, oh no, it's just session zero. But like, I have to help these people make characters. (laughs) I gotta like know all the rules so I can explain it to them. So we'll see. How about you? (laughs) Good luck to you. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I need it. It's either going to be a disaster or, you know, the nature of RPGs is that you're supposed to improv, right? So I'll improv. (laughs) 
There you go. For me lately, so we have the two 17 year olds in our house. One is foreign exchange student from Norway who will in June return to Norway. Her visa is up. She's got to go back home and finish school there. The other 17 year old, my stepdaughter has decided to attend college in Texas. So in June, she'll be finishing up graduating and then she's going to head off to Texas for college. So we have started to fantasize the reorganization of the apartment once the teens are out and what we're going to do with our second bedroom. And we're going to actually turn that into an office for me so that we can get some of the clutter out of the kitchen and main area entranceway area area of the room and so you say office but do you really mean nerd room you absolutely mean nerd room yes yes i have some shelves like i was i was looking up the term that was being thrown out was calyx boxes and i remember asking you about it you're like i have no idea it's a type of ikea furniture i guess dimension wise these cubes are exactly perfect for gaming systems so i looked that up but i didn't and they have like little dowels in there to support the game so when you want to take your game off the shelf you don't have to like lift the whole stack they just like slide out and roll on the dowels i don't think so but i didn't pay that close attention because it's a cube system and i didn't want to buy cubes so i looked at other shelves that they have that match something we bought for our bedroom that has some drawers that we can close open and close like not drawers like doors that open and close for the smaller games that don't quite fit on a shelf well and then have taller shelves with similar dimensions it's just not going to be in a neat pretty cube so i found a couple of those we found like a couch that'll pull out to a bed so we're gonna sell off the beds that the girls are sleeping in and take my standing desk and move that into the room we're gonna get rid of some furniture it's just been nice to plan out this nerd organizing i know we've talked about it plenty oh, yeah. of episodes where both of us go through nerd organizing organizing so it's nice to think of how we're going to set up spaces and my partner wants a more dedicated space for her to do her schoolwork because she is back in school and it's an online university only but she doesn't want she doesn't need and want like a big desk area and a bookshelf and a this she's like this is what i need and here's how we can make it look nice and adult like in our front area if we move all of your nerd stuff into (laughs) the second room so that's kind of what's going on but it's exciting it's exciting not only because you know good for both of those girls good for both of those 17 year olds to be mm-hmm. able to have provided the space for them and and have a good time and also good for us to kind of reclaim some of the space, enjoy the apartment in, in a completely different way. We only had a few months in here before we took on mm-hmm. the, the two girls. So it'll be nice. I will, because I've gone through this recently, you know, I've, I've got a funny story, not a funny, a terrible, tragic, but funny <laughs> story about my <laughs> game room. But with my game room remodel, something that I learned take it or leave it for yourself through my decades of having a bunch of crap is dusting sucks. So while you're picking furniture, things with doors, especially glass doors, you can still kind of see stuff, but also not have to dust it. Something you might want to think about. Uh, The other thing is, so I finally, and I talked on the show all year long, all season long about this game room and the supply chain issues I had with getting my cabinets and all this stuff. And I finally, like, I have gotten it down. Those cabinets are built. The stuff is put away. It's all organized. I know where this stuff is. The things that I had to get rid of and sell, like, we've donated a bunch of stuff and we've cleared out all of that clutter and it's gone really well. And so I was finally like, man, this is really coming together. This is exactly what I wanted this game room to look like. And then one of our dogs, our lovely dogs, got real sick. (laughs) While no one was home. And let me just say that the stains on the carpet in the game room are now the most predominant feature of the game room. Oh, no. 
And then there was something that happened. We had some people coming to do like an install of something and we had to put the dogs away and they were coming when we weren't home. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put the dogs in the game room and I'm going to leave. And somebody's going to come like some workers are going to come in and do something. It was this whole thing that was worked out. And one of the dogs decided, hey, I don't like being stuck in the game room while there's strangers in the house. I'll just dig my way out through the carpet and the door and the... (laughs) Now, instead of walking into my game room and being and having that sense of accomplishment, like, wow, look at my nice clean cabinets and look at my nice organized game room. I just walk in and go like, oh, my God, look at this, this awful, awful place. You poor thing. (laughs) I haven't been over in a while, I guess. No, it looks a lot different in there now. Mm, So is the sick dog okay? Was that a temporary sickness? Oh, yeah, no, it was it was totally fine. Okay. You know, you go for a walk and you eat some random like mm. street cheeseburger that some like gardener threw in the bushes. And now and all of a sudden you destroy my sick. game room. Yeah. yeah. So noted on the dusting, I did think about that because the boxes can easily pick up dust. So what I'm dealing with now because they're just on an open shelf. The thing I'm planning on buying has shelves and also doors. So the games are going to go under the doors and the yeah. shelves are going to be for my comic books and, and books and stuff like that. So it's going to be like a live library game space because i don't have the collection of minis and games that you do i don't know that i ever plan on owning that much because for me it'll be either games i share with you or solo games that i play by myself and with the limited time i always have i don't famous last words who knows a year from now we're ending season two just gonna be like i can't believe i have so many games who knows how that's (laughs) this is going to all end but as of right now i do not plan on purchasing many more there might be something close to final girl like supposedly solitaire like that i might enjoy we have enough games to fill the cabinets as part of it i have enough books and comics to fill the other part dusting will be a thing for the books and comics but it's a thing right now i have a shelf with my albums a shelf with my comic books a shelf with my books so that's already a thing i am definitely going to put the games in the closed cabinet section to kind of avoid them getting dusty and me bringing them out and like let me take the dust off all this and then when i open the box and all the dust goes on all over (laughs) the pieces and i want to avoid that and also learning a lot about how to store a neoprene mat which i'm gonna say whatever games that i i back future buy or back or whatever it is i am always going to order the neoprene board yes holy cow it is gorgeous gorgeous. i have been thinking of a way that i can build into my cabinets like imagine opening the cabinet door and then on the cabinet door a system of like dowels that are hanging so i can drape the neoprene boards on the dowels and they can hang and not get creased or rolled or whatever uh i'm just not sure how i can do it so there's enough room when it closes that it actually closes yeah there's a lot of people on the return to dark tower facebook group that threw that out there like this is what i do this is what i do and none of it is doable for me like i can't hang a bunch of stuff in my closet Um, yeah if you see some like good pictures of like ways that people have hung those and done it in a space-saving manner forward those over to me i will so far the best advice was to not store it standing up the weight of it will crease it and it'll yes. sit like that and all then of mine are stored are stored standing up stored. because space oh yeah uh, right now i just roll it up and put it back in the box it came in and it just sits flat on the ground next to my bookshelf so i'll have to figure that out when i move into back into the nerd room in my apartment mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's that Episode 15, Rob.
All right, let's finish up this show. All right, what's the nerdiest thing you did this week? The nerdiest thing I did this week, I had so much fun. Inspired by your solo play of Return to the Dark Tower, (laughs) I had a specific game that was built as a solo play game. It has rules to make it a two-player game, but those are like the alternative rules. Like you tell like the way it was designed, this is a solo game. And this game is called Conan the Sumerian colon the Tower of the Elephant. What's cool about this game is the box is the game board. So you open up the lid of the box. And if you were to look inside that lid, there is a map. And then if you were to look inside like the base of the box, there's a box within a box within a box, like a Russian nesting doll of boxes, one-sided boxes, like the box bottoms. So each one is a little bit smaller than the other one. And what you do is you take out all of these box tops, for lack of a better word, and they stack into a tower. So this is the tower of the elephant. And as you work your way through, you flip over that part of the tower and the interior of the box is beautifully printed with like a grid map on the bottom and walls for the area and terrain features and those kinds of things so that you play that level. In the original story of Conan, the Tower of the Elephant, Conan starts off like drinking in a tavern and people are talking about this great treasure that's in the tower that's in town and how the tower is impenetrable and no one could break in there and somebody starts boasting well i could break in there i'm the greatest thief in the land and so conan hooks up with this thief and they go to the tower and they climb to the top of the tower and the two of them like work their way down and they fight the different like monsters and things and then whatever and that's how the game goes you start like in the big box you start off and there's a little tavern there and there's tables and there's pirates and all this kind of stuff and then you move to the tower garden and you fight the lions that are guarding the thing and then the thief throws up the rope and you go to the top of the tower and you flip over the top of the tower and you play that adventure and then you flip over the next one and you play that adventure totally fun i had a great time doing it i think the game was pretty well designed there was some things that were a little kludgy you know like looking at it like ah I would have designed that a little bit differently. Like the second adventure, as you're going through it, right? You fight in the tavern and that's like a pretty easy one. You can tell it was designed to like, oh, get to learn the game. And then you go to the garden where you fight the lions and it's ridiculously hard and all the rules are different than it is anywhere else in the game. And I was like, why'd you do that? This is just a pain in the neck. What I did, because I'm not, not only, it's not nerdy enough to just like play a solo game that you haven't played before because anybody listening to this podcast is playing games. But what I did was, I have other games in the Conan universe, miniature games and things. So I didn't use the little standees. I raided my collection and got miniatures for all the guys. Yes. And I didn't just look at the map that was printed on the box top. No, 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 no. I've got 3D printed barrels and tabletops and beds and sleeping rolls and stuff. (laughs) So in each of these little box tops that made up the tower, I'm like putting the little furniture and everything and the terrain pieces. So it just looks... Turn it up to 11 as far as that goes. So that was really fun. I was commiserating with you earlier when you were talking about how you were just talking to yourself constantly playing the solo game of Return of the Dark Tower because that's exactly what I was doing. So I'm like walking through the car. Okay, it's the soldier's turn. What do the soldiers do? They do this. Well, I'm just doing it out loud (laughs) by myself, walking through the game and getting everything done. That's how you solo play, man. I'm convinced. 
Got it. Well, you totally flip the script. Like I'm imagining you build as you go along and you get to the top and you fight the thing at the top, but no, you go from top to bottom, which is even more exciting because that means it gets bigger and yes. more complex as you go down. That's, that's pretty genius. It was a smart I, way to do it. Right. Yeah, because yeah. that was the thing is like, Oh, you get to the tower and you climb to the top. Oh, okay. Oh no. You're start at the top. No, that's genius. I enjoyed your pictures. Listeners. Follow Rob on Instagram. He posts stuff about his games all the time. If you're a super gaming nerd, lots of good stuff to see. And I wouldn't have known, unless you said something, none of us would have known that the minis that you all brought into your pictures were from other versions of this game or other things you've printed for. So that is the benefit of all of these years of doing all this dumb nerd stuff is like, I get a game and I'm like, oh, but I could use those miniatures for that. And I could grab this for this other thing. And I could really turn it up to make it look like this. And same thing with folklore. Like we put down the map and I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute, hang on you guys. And I go to a drawer and I'm like, I've got trees and I've got rubble piles and stuff that I'm putting on the map that like, it doesn't need it, but the immersion, right? The immersion. Which makes it that much better. Absolutely. For me, I know you said your 3D printer is broken, but I've been keeping my eye out for things people are 3D printing for Return to Dark Tower. So some people have done some cool stuff. They've made a bigger skull, not big, but bigger skull to hold the little skulls. And that's their player marker as they go along because the end of your turn is putting the skull in the tower. So my turn, skull's with me. I do my turn. I follow my card. I do my things. I drop the skull. I hand it to the next player. Haven't quite needed that because I've only played solo games. Other cool things, people have come up with like card holders for the treasure store Mm -hmm. and all the the other things. I don't know how I feel about that. I think that's a little much. I think it's already a lot to set up then to separate all the cards by these card holders. Some people are enjoying that. I might somewhere down the line. The most interesting to me is you have your little tokens. They're plastic tokens because we got the, you know, like the almost all in upgrades. So instead of little cardboard chits, they're plastic tokens of your soldiers. So you have a token that is worth one soldier and a bigger token that's worth five. So you have two bags of those because as you get more, you just exchange for the five so that you build a lot. One of them, you have to have like a hundred soldiers to go oh and gosh. face the adversaries. Okay. So imagine having all so those tokens. you might tokens. have 20 of those chits out. Yes, but to hold them too. And then you have spirit and you have the little teardrop that's worth one spirit and the teardrop that's worth five spirits. So you have two bags of those. And then there's a third thing for, which is interesting. We talked about companion or influence. There's an influence factor on the expansion that I haven't even gotten into yet. So there's influence tokens worth one and five. So people have come up with these really great things for the bulk of them to sit and it's your turn and you reach over and you can grab the oh i gain five soldiers i'm going to grab this five and uh, i spend two spirit i'm going to put it back in that bowl because on the player card you have enough space to hold your tokens you don't need something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. per character but also some people made a bowl per character where you have like two sides of it and you have your spirit on this side and your soldiers on this side and influence on the card like there's different ways so i've been keeping an eye out and watching those not in a rush for them but definitely like yeah, somewhere just, down you know, the line do a little screenshot <laughs> i've sent you a couple phone. i said look at this and that's uh, when the you skull told me was yeah. awesome i'm like yeah. oh yeah that skull for sure that's and too then that's cool. when you told the me skull my in skulls. printer is broken ah <laughs> uh, it did but i have burnt out and tried to fix so many 3d printers that i think i'm to the point where i'm like me fixing a 3d printer always makes something else worse right because you have to take it all apart and then you replace the thing that you think is wrong and I either put it together wrong or the thing I thought was wrong with it wasn't wrong with it. Now I got to take it apart again. And every time I take it apart and put it back together, it loses a little something, right? So I will look to see if someone who knows what they're doing can fix my 3D printer. But I have started a savings 
I'm saving up for a Prussia. And people who know the 3D mm. printers, they know mm. what the Prussia is. That'll be a little while till I'm till I'm ready to pull the trigger on that. <laughs> and no Russia on my part. I'm just kind of looking at stuff. I know I'll never buy a 3D printer, so I'm gonna be reliant on your your nerdism to latch on. What's well, the, I love uh... it. No, it's great. <laughs> and uh, you're talking like I have already kickstarted and have ready to go a set of board game like bowls with like little dividers and stuff. So I might already have exactly what you need ready to go. Nice. Looking forward to it. Okay, Rob, what's the nerdish thing you're doing next week? Nerdy thing I'm doing next week. Like I mentioned before, I am starting this Call of Cthulhu game. And as much as I say that I haven't done the actual prep for it, I have kind of mapped it out in my mind how I'm going to do it as far as like getting everybody together. This is an online game we play. So everybody's going to come together. We're going to roll some numbers and then kind of keep them. And then I'm going to do the thing where like we're going to use Zoom and I'm going to take like one player to a breakout room and I'm going to lead them through like a little getting started adventure that the book comes with where they like depending on what happens to them in the encounters they face in the little building your character adventure they choose what seems to be important to them so they can choose from their numbers that they rolled like for their stats like oh well I better put my 80 here or "Mm, this isn't really my character I'll put my 40 in that one or whatever and the idea being that I'm going to lead them through this kind of character building tutorial adventure one at a time. And for each of them, when wherever it ends, because there are plot trees, kind of like a choose your own adventure when you go through it, wherever it ends, it's going to turn out that it was a dream. And I'm going to do it separately. And so when they come together for the first adventure or whatever, one of the things that will tie them is they all have this thing where they had this horrible dream about this one like horrible monster thing. And they all kind of experienced it differently, but they had this shared nightmare. Is that a you constructing that? Or that's part of the game to start the game? So the way the starter box is built is for you to learn. It comes with kind of, like I said, like a choose your own adventure style way to help you build your character. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and make that this shared dream for each character so that when it comes up, they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. I had that same. I saw that same person. I rode that same bus. I did that same thing. Hopefully that will build. You never know what people are going (laughs) to latch on to or whatever. But in my in my mind, as I'm building it, this company of investigators will all have had this shared nightmare. And does that mean something? And where do they go from there? Nice. I like it. I'm going to say I know the nerdiest thing you're going to do next week is come over and play Return to Dark Tower. So I'm just going to say that. Well, I certainly hope so. (laughs) Me too. For me, the nerdiest thing I'm going to do is finally come back and play our cool, the Dragonborn Monk in (laughs) your Wednesday night games. I had to miss one for work. One session was canceled and we go every two weeks. It's not every week. And then two weeks ago, we were preparing to go to Hawaii the next morning. So we had, it was spring break and we had made the game earlier. So we made arrangements to drop off our dog, like at nine o'clock when the game was over. So then people had to kick it later. So we were trying to figure out, okay, I'll just run and drop off the dog right, right before seven out in Carpinteria. We'll get there. I'll run back. I'll be like 20, 30 minutes late to the game. Ended up because of the construction on the 101 right here. Took us 45 minutes to get the Carpinteria. What? Not a joke from my apartment to where we're dropping our dog off in cart 45 minutes to get there no alternate routes 
for reference, that's a 15 minute drive oh, from yeah. my house on a, you know, yeah. if there's no traffic and you're less than 20 minutes away from me. So yeah, that's way too much. And then we drove back. And by that point, I'm like, man, there's only like an hour and a half. Let's see. I got back almost eight o'clock. I'm like, they're going for two more hours. Let me see if I can get this other stuff done real quick. Something else happened. Oh, the choir director called me and there was an urgency because you had to like safe travels Hawaii. We had to clear a bunch of kids and their COVID tests or their vaccination cards. And some kids had called her and said, I took the wrong COVID test. What do I do? And we were triaging. So I'm like, let me help you with this. Let me go online. Let me fix this. Let me do this. Let me do this. And I look at my watch again. It's like 9.15. I'm like, I can't. I can't now. So... I'm glad to know that it's not just me that can't figure out the night before a trip. Like I am a terrible traveler. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much prep I do. I'll get all the laundry done. I'll have all the stuff ready. I've got the list in my head or the list on paper of everything I'm going to know and everything I'm going to pack and everything I'm going to do. And yet the night before a trip, I'm always up till midnight doing last minute things and not getting (laughs) stuff done. I think that's just the nature of the beast of traveling. I I am the same. I get everything done ahead of time, but I also always have issue the night before I travel with students. And it had been a really Mm. long time since I traveled with students. For me, I hardly sleep the night before I travel with students on any overnight trip. To me, it's just getting all the extra things ready and being ready to hold space for all the teenagers and all their experiences. Cause you know, we get kids that have never left with been yeah. anywhere without their family, never been on a plane, never been to Hawaii, never been to this, never left the state. So it's a lot of space to hold. And I think just in prep for that, I'm so anxious that it, that's always been the case. Anytime I've ever done every time, every time I've ever done an overnight trip, I just, I don't sleep the night before anyways. And then that carries on to my own travel and travel with myself or my family. It's like, it's the night before I have to leave for this conference and I have to do this and I have to do this and this and I'm all set to go the night before it's like oh gosh did I do everything right let me recheck all the things that I did and then maybe fix things yeah it's always yeah so you missed last week's game yeah and then two weeks before that we we had to cancel the game yeah because you were busy with all your dad stuff with Andrew's show right that was Andrew's musical and then two weeks before that I had a work thing on D&D night that I couldn't do so it's been two months since I played our cool I'm looking forward to it I'm gonna nerd out try to remember what my character was Uh, it's a, he's a, he's a stoic dragonborn monk who absolutely is necessary in combat. We haven't gone much further since the last time you played. Oh no. Wasn't there to do a bunch of damage and kill people. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's all good. And our cool is they, them. Right. If I represent correctly, because to our listeners, Rob and I have talked before about the importance of representation in D&D and playing games and how uncommon it is to have a they, them, and how less common it is to have female characters. So I try to push that as much as I can, especially when we play with the younger kids. It's a really good idea. And it's something that I wish I were better at. And probably if I put more thought ahead of time (laughs) into things. When you're running a game, you have a lot of opportunities to do that because you're playing all of the NPCs and all the things. And they're written in the book as like a name and a species and maybe like a character stat. But when you're playing those characters, they can be whatever you want as far as like the bonds and flaws and who they are and their personality and stuff. So interjecting more diversity in the game is something that that the person running the game can really lean on. We didn't bring that up uh, when we were talking RPGs last time, but that can be really fun and it can be a good opportunity just to like explore that space and normalize those things. So I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it this next week to be able to come back to the game. Yay. Hopefully I'll do a better job because like you said, the last time we played that you missed, I was super duper sick and I have no idea if that went well because I was struggling through the whole thing. Oh, poor thing. Well, we'll, we'll all catch up and it'll be good. 
So Rob, that was episode 15. It's been so nice to talk to you about what you've been up to and be able to share with you what I've been up to. Next episode is our season one finale. So listeners come back in two weeks for the season one recap and celebration of our growing podcast. Oh, that should be a real fun one. Now, because we're coming up on that, we are going to have a little call to action here. Please, please, please write in your favorite, your funniest, your least favorite moment or uh, thing we talked about. So on, you can get in touch with us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those. We are at nerd best friends or Send a message by writing to podcast at nerdbestfriends.com is the email. Please make sure to listen, subscribe, like, follow, share this podcast with a friend. And on whatever podcaster you are, podcatcher you are listening to, there should be a way to go in and give us a five-star review. That is the coolest way or the easiest way so that other people might might find our podcast if they're scrolling through things that are, that are nerdy. So it'll come up for them and who knows, we will find new friends. All right, best friend. Until next time. Special thanks in advance to Inter Joan, who's going Woo! to put all this stuff together and post it on the website. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you soon. Thanks, listeners. Thank you next time. Hey, it's me, Rob, your best friend, your podcast hopes, hopes, your, your podcast hopes and dreams.